Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. She heard a noise and thought it was one of the boys from next door that was hiding. And she went and f- turned the flashlight on to tag the person at the tree, and it wasn't the person. What I saw is she came running full speed around from the back of the yard to the front of the house and ran into her house and she was shaking and pale. So she told us when she went back there, turned on the light, she saw a figure about nine feet high, all covered in hair. This is the Cryptid Creatures Podcast. I am Brian, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Todd. Going on, my friend? We got another main encounter tonight. Yeah. Hilda is going to come on and talk about what happened to her. I believe she had a childhood-type encounter with her friends. Cool. And other things going on. to hear this one. So, uh, yeah, she's with the uh, the main Bigfoot foundation up there with right. those we've talked to them before too so. yeah uh michael That's and janelle cool. i believe so yep so we'll bring her on and see what she's got to say and here's some uh, more main encounters heck yeah man i'm excited let's right. do it here we go hello hilda thanks for coming on and talking to us tonight oh you're welcome yeah finally we got you what part of maine are you in about i'm in arista county okay so way up north, you've uh, obviously had some interactions and and things with the Bigfoot, Sasquatch in that area. What was what kind of started that whole thing with you? What was kind of your first uh, things that happened? My, okay, my first encounter. I was about twelve, thirteen, and we lived in Western Massachusetts at the foot of the Berkshires. Um, and I remember, I think it was seventy six. Uh, and it was April vacation. I was spending the week at friends and we were playing flashlight tag in their yard. So it got to be after dark and my friend, I'll call her Jen. That's not a real name, but I don't have permission to use their names. Okay, That's fine. Uh, had the flashlight and she ran around the back of the house looking for people. And she heard a noise. I was hiding in a, corner by the front of the house so i didn't see what transpired but she heard a noise and thought it was one of the boys from next door that was hiding and she went and turned the flashlight on to tag the person at the tree and it wasn't the person this tree was probably about 15 yards behind her house 
So it was pretty close. What I saw is she came running full speed around from the back of the yard to the front of the house and ran into her house. And she was shaking and pale. So I ran up to find out what happened because obviously it, I, no, it looked like something had happened. And we were all ranging anywhere from like 11 to 13 years old. There was like five of us. So she told us when she went back there, turned on the light, she saw a figure about nine feet high, all covered in hair. And it was standing behind the tree with its hand like around the tree like this. And of course, the parents are like, oh, there's a bear. You, you saw the bear standing out there. And, you know, didn't believe us. The next morning, well, we didn't want to go out after that. So the next morning, we went outside and we're poking around. Me and Jen and her sisters and the kids next door, we were, we grew up in the woods. Um, I could hike from my house to her house, which was a mile and a quarter away. I would go up the mountain behind my house, cut across through the woods, come down and end up right behind her house. I knew that the hill and the trails that well. And most of it was cutting straight through woods, no trails. I don't, just a little bit when I started out. Um, seeing bobcat, fox, coyote, bear, everything you, you know, everything that's normal for New England woods. I experienced it growing up because that's where I spent a lot of my life was in the woods. So we went out there. We knew it was no bear. <laughs> we saw tracks that were very human-like that looked like they were like a size 14, 15. They were looked like claw marks on the tree, like something had grabbed the tree and the spread of the marks were in the shape of like a hand twice the size of her father's hand. Wow. So we spent most of that summer trying to get a good look at this thing. She got, she got the best look on the first night. Um, so we did, you know, we did a lot of hiking, quite a few tracks, some of them ranging different sizes. We tried doing some casts. They were um, not good quality casts, but you could see them. And when we tried to show them to her parents and my parents, we were laughed at, oh, somebody's playing tricks with you. Somebody's doing that just to play games. And because of the ridicule and everything and people not believing us, we just stopped talking about it after a while. We just kept it our own secret. We were, you know, kids just doing normal kid things in the woods in the summer. We'd try to go out and camp. We'd, we hiked up and down the brooks and climbed the cliffs and picked wild grapes and did all the kinds of stuff kids in the woods do. And almost a couple times a week, if not every time I went to visit, because I'd be, I was down there during school. I only visited them on the weekends, but when there was no school, I was there like every other day. Almost always had distant sightings. So the sightings I had were probably like 75 yards off, 75 to 100, nothing up real close. Um, and it was always the same thing. It would be like standing and peeking around the tree. So I would see the, the figure and it was there was like a dark silvery charcoal silver one, which was the tallest, a um, couple of black ones. And one that, that we saw was kind of a reddish brown hair. So we, we figured there were at least four of them. And we saw them at different times, off in the distance. Tracks at night would come up close to the house like that tree was. Not as close as the first night when she first saw it. 
but like maybe a hundred yards behind the house, they stay, stay to the thicker tree cover, but we could still see the tracks and they ranged anywhere from like 10 inches to 15 inches in length. So there were small ones and big ones. Wow. We, that was the first summer that we would hear screaming in the woods and that we heard screaming one night when we tried camping out, which, so we all ran back into the house and in retrospect, our parents said that it was probably Bobcat, which is very possible because I had seen Bobcat out there, but we didn't know, but we knew it was a new, new sound that we weren't used to hearing. A few times we'd be hiking along and you'd get the smell at the time we would described it as rotting garbage. And that was very infrequent. Almost every time we went out hiking around, we'd hear the footsteps tracking us. But where our, the trail we were on followed along a ridge, and you could hear the feet, footsteps above the ridge just out of sight. But you could hear the heavy, like mm. bipedal step, 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 keeping track with us. Whether we walked or ran, it just kept right up to us, almost parallel. So we just had experiences like that throughout most of the summer until about August. And then they just kind of petered out. So we don't really know what happened. And the whole time, nobody believed us. Of course not. Um, did your friend tell you, did she describe to you what she saw in, in detail? Did she get a good look at, at the face when she shined the light on it? She said it looked, it reminded her of a big gorilla face but it had hair all over it. It had a flat nose. And she said she remembered the huge hands with big fingernails that were holding the tree. And she said fingernails, not claws. How long was it before you told your parents? The next day when I got home and they immediately didn't believe us. We told her parents that night because they wondered why we came running in because we were usually out there. I think it was like nine, nine thirty. And we were usually out there a little later than that. 10 o'clock was our curfew. <laughs> and they wanted to know why we came in so early. So when she told them, they just laughed at us. Was there ever a time where they did believe you? No. My parents, no. Hers, I don't think so. Ever? No. <laughs> in fact, unfortunately, that winter, because of rumors that were going around, um, somebody in the next town over decided to play a trick on his girlfriend and made some cutout and they showed the picture of the prince in the newspaper and they looked nothing like the prince we had uh you could obviously see that they were cutouts because they were flat on the bottom they didn't have any contour the toes were all the same size and he mm -hmm. walked around outside his girlfriend's apartment at night to try to scare her making her think it was there and then he fessed up afterwards he did that so then my dad saw that article in the newspaper gave it to me and said see i told you people are playing tricks on you it just takes one, you know? Yeah. It just takes one. Scariest thing that happened to us, we were following the dog along one of the trails. She had a dog, and the dog went off the trail. and was, So we were following the dog, went up, and the dog found a cave. And we weren't sure what was going on, so we followed the dog to see where it was going because we knew it was, was tra tracking something. And this roar came out of the cave. You know how you hear people say you feel it? as much as you hear it, it yeah. like struck right through us. And that dog who was normally very obedient would come when you called, did tricks and everything, bolted out of that cave, ran full speed back to the house. And we were trying to chase her and call her and she kept right on running. <laughs> but I tell you that, that roar that came out of the cave shook you. 
Wow. That's what got me started. But like I said, didn't talk about it for years in years. Hmm. And um, it was about three years ago, I think. I was actually with a, an acquaintance of mine, friend of mine, and we were running around up in Haynesville. I don't know if you know the Haynesville Woods stories. No, fill us if in. You know, if you know the song, A Tombstone Every Mile, it's about the Han- Route 2A going through Haynesville. It's in Arista County, and it's a haunted roadway. Okay. We'll, we'll so check it wanna, out for sure. Yeah, if you want to look that up. So we were hiking yeah, around yeah. along some of the logging trails up there. My friend said he was a ghost hunter and wanted to look for stories in the area, and I said, I know a place. So I took him up there to hike some of the trails. And instantly you got the feeling you're being watched, which you never know. There's moose, there's bear, there's all kinds of stuff up here, so you can never really be sure. But as we're hiking along the trail, we're looking, now we're looking for ghosts and evidence of the stories of Haynesville. He turns around and shines his flashlight into the woods as we're, and we were up there at, at dark, and we saw tree structures, tree breaks. And, of course, I'm, like, trying to be skeptical, figuring, you know, trying to figure, you know, what, how that could have happened. But he was convinced it was Bigfoot activity. I wasn't so sure. He ended up camping up there for the, that summer on the weekends. And while he was camping up there, he didn't have any direct contact. He said he saw some eye shine at night, but couldn't really determine. But the next morning, between his car, where, where he was camped, and the logging road, there were tracks about 14 inches long. After that is when I decided, talking with him, and it's when I decided to like, you know, I'm 50 plus years old. I don't care if people don't believe me or not anymore. I want to, you know, start looking back into this because, you know, curiosity always got me. So I did some internet searching and browsing online, and that's when I got connected with the Maine Bigfoot Foundation. And yeah, I've been, we know them. We know them well. So that's when I met yeah. Mike and Jen. Because I looked at other groups, but their philosophy really appealed to me. So I've been on a few outings with them, plus looking around in this area up here. And surprised at how many places I've either heard stories or seen evidence like tree structures and stuff. And it's like what they said, it's all over the place. Just people don't want to talk about it because of the reputation they get of being crazy or whatever. Yeah, I wonder if that's why your parents kind of didn't really even bat an eye or want to talk about the, the possibility. Um, maybe they, they did know something, but they just went and didn't want to admit it or, or believe it, you know? Yeah, my mom didn't want to talk too much about it. She just kind of looked at me funny. Um, my dad was the one that was very vocal. Oh, you've seen a bear. You don't know what you're talking about. Somebody's playing tricks on you. And both her, uh, Jen's parents were doing this, were doing that. My mom was more standoffish, like, hmm. How long do you think that Bigfoot was standing there behind the tree watching you guys? And do you think, do you think it obviously let your friend walk up on it? Or was it preoccupied with something else and she surprised it? Or what do you think happened there? I think it may have been watching us just out of curiosity from what I've learned recently, you know, working with Mike and Janelle, that they do tend to be curious and interested in kids. And I think we were out there playing around for about half an hour before this ha- happened. So, And just the posture, uh-huh. and as close to the house it was, I think it was just standing there watching us. 
because we were running all over the house and behind the house and because it was darker behind the house than on the street side. You had said that the activity kind of dwindled away after August. Uh, do you think they migrate away somewhere? And where do you think they go if they do? We just kind of felt that this group migrated away maybe, I don't know. But up in the Berkshires, there is a lot of thick woods. There's caves. There's, I know when I was doing research, not too far, like maybe 20 miles, were reports on one, one of the mountains. Yeah, Maine's definitely okay. a very thick wooded wooded state and uh something that can move around in there and that's that's let's say uh, a wood ninja so to speak like a bigfoot's supposed to be uh they yeah. don't want to be seen and want to keep their distance but parallel follow you uh watch you they're going to be able to do it you know they're, they're masters yeah. of that domain and uh oh yeah for sure probably we're doing it for a long time before you actually even saw the one i'm guessing it wouldn't surprise me probably more than just one night Oh, I'm sure. Like I said, once we realized they were there, I mean, we would hear like stuff in the above the ridge when we were hiking around anything. We just figured it was gear until this happened. Mm -hmm. And then we started really paying attention. Yeah. You really don't hear deer if they're, if they're doing their thing, they're, they're pretty quiet moving through through stuff. So what are you doing now? Are you going out investigating still? Well, I'm investigating and training. Invest, my husband and I are investigators in training with the Maine Bigfoot Foundation. We're um, investigators in training and trying to put out word in the Roosticker Northern Maine area that if anybody has some encounters they need want to talk to. I actually have a lady at, that I work with now that I started the discussion with her boyfriend, her partner. And he told me that she had had an encounter, and this was back in 2015. So I'm supposed to be getting a story from her to submit to our group. Cool. You don't have any idea cool. what happened with, with her? She, this was, like I said, back in 2015, and she was with a different, she was with her boyfriend at the time. And this was only like 20 miles from my house. On one of the four-wheel drive trails, they were just out four-wheeling, which is a common recreation up here. There's trails all over the place. Mm-hmm. and it was near her house, and they went where it was. The road went down and the, uh, around a curve, and a f- few yards up, she saw this tall, black, hairy figure, and she said she guessed it. It was about eight, nine feet tall. Just take one step into the road, look at them, took another step, and was out of the road. So, like, a, I was up in that area, and the trail's wide enough to drive my pickup truck through. I have a Tacoma. And it was easily wide enough to drive the pickup truck through. And this thing took one step and cleared the road. Wow. Just six, eight feet wide. Yeah. That's a pretty good stride. And she said as soon as her and her boyfriend saw that, they turned the four-wheeler around and took off. Yeah. But she said that she's had she's lived in that area, in that, in that house with her family for years. And she said her father used to have stories. He would go out actually and knock on trees and hear knocks back or, or hear sounds at night. So it, they've been up there for a long period of time. I got a feeling that there might be a lot of saturation of Bigfoot up in Maine, um, basically too, because you know you can channel down through Canada there, right? If I'm not, if I'm not, oh yeah, wrong there. There's a lot of just thick wilderness between Maine and Canada border right there. It's just massive areas yeah, like the whole- of undiscovered mm-hmm. undiscovered land. I'm sure. In your mind, what do you think this thing is? 
My opinion, I've always felt that it's like the American ape, an undiscovered creature that's always been here. Some people that I talk to, when they talk about it cloaking or disappearing, like it's possibly interdimensional, I could entertain that idea. But I'd have to like, like ghosts can come and go. Right. I'm not sure on that. I've always felt it was an undiscovered animal. But I'm open to the possibility it could be something else. You kind of have to be if, you, if we don't really have one. You know? I think so. I mean, yeah, because nobody really knows what they are. No. Hopefully, one of these days we'll figure it out. But as of right now, we don't. No. Or the TV back. shows and more people out in the wilderness. I think that might be contributing to some of the more frequent encounters we're hearing about. Yeah, that's what or I've been saying, fact, too. Yeah. Or the fact that these encounters have been going on a long time, just now people are more comfortable talking about them. Right. Yeah, it could be. Um, I like to think that we're helping with that. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about the discovery part of it? Do you think that the reason Bigfoot isn't discovered yet is because he's just that elusive and he's staying that far away, albeit back to what we were just talking about with the more and more sightings and maybe the Bigfoot population growing? Or do you think it also has to do with maybe the government covering up things or special agencies covering up things too? Or what's your thoughts on that? I think it's very possible that there was cover-ups. I mean, the government covers up all kinds of stuff. And I'm not a conspiracy nut. You know, I don't follow every conspiracy theory, but I do know that they do cover things up. They do. Definitely. Look what's going on with the UFOs right now. Yeah. Prime example. I kind of wonder if these things just know enough to not get involved with human beings because they know what would happen. You know, well, yeah. I think cages. I think they've been around long enough to know our patterns yeah, I think and our behavior and they yeah, stay stay the hell away. They've been in the for woods sure. watching us for a long time and, and studying yeah, us exactly. and seeing what yeah. we're doing and saying we don't they're very in, I believe they're very intelligent. They can use tools, they can communicate with each other. Absolutely. I mean if you look at some of the other great apes they have societies, they work together, they talk, they remember things. Yep. Do you guys ever hear any kind of chatter or talk when you guys are out there or when you were younger? Oh, yeah, sometimes. Strange noises, sometimes it sounds almost like there's somebody's chattering. Sometimes, more than once we've heard a sound that sounded like an owl hooting, but didn't quite sound, sound like an owl hooting, like something was mimicking it. Yeah, I've heard of that, too. I've heard of Yeah, that's one of those things they, they do, they say. They do a very bad impression of an owl. Mm. Yeah. There was one place that I went with the, with the group and we're walking her along and we heard it and it's like, well, that's an, not quite, that's an owl. That's not quite an owl. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing, one of the times I went out with the group, um, the coyotes started howling and then you could hear something else howling. And mm -hmm. I remember one time when just before I got into the group, when I was starting to get back and in, interested in it, my husband and I were camping, winter camping, up in the middle of Maine, and this is like logging road country in the mountains. We're laying in the back of the truck, and you could hear the coyotes howling on one hillside to our left, and something else that sounded like wolf howling on the other side to the right. But at the time, I wasn't thinking. I thought maybe, you know, there were rumors of somebody's coy dogs, coy wolves, stuff escaped. But I'm wondering now if, if that's what we were hearing. When. Hmm. He and I, another time, were camping up in that area. We had rocks thrown at us, and they were hefty rocks. 
Wow. Well, that's definitely a sign of something, unless somebody's yeah. just being a jerk. You know? Well, that's what I initially thought, but he said he saw the rocks that were coming up, and they would have been pretty hard for somebody to heft 20 feet up a hillside into our campsite because they they weighed, they were good-sized rocks. When you drive the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among all brands in the J.D. Power 2022 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Study based on 2019 models. See jdpower.com slash awards for 2022 details. I'm, I'm assuming hmm. they're doing that as a sign of, you know, hey, get out of here type, type thing. I, yeah. I, I know they've had to hit somebody at some point with a rock. I mean, it's had to have happened. Sure. You know, and then some. Well, these were landing like at our camp area, but just outside the campfire light, so I didn't see them. You guys didn't leave then? Packed. You stayed there? No, we packed up and left then. Because oh, okay. <laughs> at the time, we had our oldest child who was like 10 years old, and I'm like, if somebody, if we thought it was other people. And it's like, if somebody's messing with us, with a child here, we don't want to take a chance. Right. So we packed up and left. Do you have any more uh, encounters or sightings? Yeah, there is one. That happened when I went to a site that the Maine Bigfoot Foundation has been looking at for the past, I think, three years. Okay. It was the first time I went down to encounter that area. It's a camp that's on leased lumberyard land. And the people that owned the camp spent one night there, had them things banging on the doors, rocks thrown at them. They were so terrified they left and never went back. So they asked the group to go, and the group has done some research and took pictures, and there was a video and stuff. So I went there with them last August. And during the day Saturday, we were hiking around. They my husband and I, we found a campsite very near to where that cabin is. So we were able to walk from there, our campsite down to where the cabin is, maybe quarter to half a mile. So they went in, we went in, checked out, and there were you know, footprint, very large footprints. They had gotten cast 14 inches long. Didn't really see much that day. That evening, we found the, we went all, well, that, we went all the way down to where the cabin was, and there's the cabin is on a point in a marshy area. And if you look across part of the marsh, you can see another point. There was something big and black moving on the point at the, on the other side of the marsh. But the coverage was so thick, you couldn't tell what it was. So we're like, that could be him or it could be a moose. So that, so we all walked back to camp that night, Mike and Janelle and, someone else, we found a trail that went to that second point. So they part, started hiking partway down that point. They got just a few steps into the woods and got really threatening feelings that they were being watched. And there was a tree down across the trail. Mm. So being in the dark and knowing the history of the place, Mike opted, I got to keep everybody safe. This doesn't feel safe. So they didn't go in. They turned around and came back to camp. Me and some of the younger younger members, newer members, the next morning, like, well, it's daylight now. We're going to go check it out. So we walked down, got to where the big tree, and this tree's like 
a good foot of, foot diameter. You know, it's a good size hefty tree across the trail. And so we got around it. And as soon as we got past it, there were like five or six birch saplings laid perpendicular across the trail like railroad ties. And I stopped and I looked and I'm like, that's not natural. Somebody mm -hmm. didn't want us in there. Yeah. So we kept going. And when we got past that section, there was another larger tree down across the trail. So we climbed through that. And as soon as we got through that section, we, we got the feeling that, that we were being watched. And periodically you'd get that sewer smell but we didn't see anything and we went a little further in and there was a muddy area and there were tracks, but they were all like superimposed on top of each other. Some of them were little, some of them were huge. So it definitely looked like multiple different sized creatures. Like there was a family group in there. I'm assuming the trees were snapped off, not cut, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. They were pushed right over and some of them looked like they were broken and moved from another location. That was the my bigger next question. Did, did the they two heavy trees else? were just pushed over. The saplings looked like they were moved from somewhere else. They were just snapped. Okay. Oh. I wonder if they put those up to think that might deter you or get you closer to them. And then when you try to run away, you got to try to climb back over all these trees and they got you. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, either, either way. Oh. I think it would work either way. Yeah. Kind of I would think they'd be more of a roadblock that. stopping people from getting too close. And if but. you get in there, you can't get out quick, yes. Yeah, so if right. you see too many, yeah. you might want to just stop, right? And once you start smelling something, that's another warning to maybe turn around. Yeah. With that, I have a theory that they musk like like weasels and other animals because you don't get that all the time. You only get that right. when they don't want you around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've heard that many times, yeah. So in your opinion, Hilda... How much of your state of Maine would be, you know, populated versus woods are not are not populated because everything in there is just is just wooded. I mean, every time you whenever you're driving from A to B, unless you're in like a town or a city, you're pretty much in woods. Am I right? Uh, the southern part of Maine is pretty built up. I mean, compared to the rest of the state, but it seems it's mostly right along the coast, Kittery, Biddeford, Portland. Bar Harbor up along the coast. Once you get interior, it's especially up in this area, it's pretty sparse. You got farms, but they're spread out. You got little towns here and there, but there is a lot of thick woods. I mean, I can leave my house and walk not even a quarter mile up the road behind my house, and it's thick woods. I, I live right where my house is, is basically on the edge of the town. I'm five minutes from the center of town, but I'm right on the edge in the farmland. Okay. I mean, I, I go back and forth to work in the morning, and I see a bear in the field on the side of the road. That's how wooded it, it is up here. Last summer, my husband and I went up to what they call the Allagash, which is in the northwest corner, and that's all wilderness. That's closer to Canada, right? Well, it borders Canada. But the Allagash, it, it covers a huge area. If you look at the state of Maine... um. Right smack dab in the center of the state of Maine, north, it's pretty much all woods, and west. Wow. I know one of the things, if you, if you look at, sometimes when you can look at 
um, Google Earth or something and you see the lights where the towns and cities are, that gives you an idea how thickly settled the coast area is and how remote the rest of the state is. Right. I was looking on here. I, I remember when I was there looking at the White Mountain National Forest and Mount Washington. Have you ever done any or heard of anything going on over in those areas? Would that be a place for someone to go if they wanted to try to have an encounter, a good spot? Um, I've heard of encounters there, but as the White Mountains in New Hampshire, there is a lot of tourism up there. That's one of the places people like to hike around and stuff. There is a small section of the White Mountain National Forest in the state of Maine, which is more remote. Um, people can certainly go there. There are camps and trails and stuff. Um, some of the places I've seen are like in public reserve lands or the wildlife refuges where there's less people. Do you guys ever have any uh, festivals or conventions out your way? I don't know. My husband and I just kind of keep quiet and keep to ourselves. Gotcha. Okay. What type of festivals you're looking for? I'm talking like Bigfoot festivals, you know, and, and yeah, the Sasquatch stuff or the cryptid stuff. Um, well, there's a, I know there's a paramain that's run. Paramain. Okay. Okay. We'll have to look that up some more. I think Janelle probably knows. Yeah. Talk to her. Yeah. I haven't been there. The outings we do are just with our group and people that we invite. Any big plans for some new outings coming up for the future with the Maine Bigfoot Foundation? Well, a couple of weeks, last month we were at Bradbury, State, Bradbury Mountain State Park. That's in southern Maine. That's a good place. Well, south central Maine. Um, been there a few times. Where we went this month will, would be private land on, in the logging country. Okay. One of the another area we're planning in July, I think, is Mount Blue State Park. We've also been we've got Baxter State Park. Okay. So if yeah. somebody wants to get a hold of you guys to to go with you or or find out more about the foundation, how do they get a hold of you? Or just go directly to Maine Maine Bigfoot Foundation on Facebook. Okay. One more thing I forgot to mention. Yeah. Okay. Maine, Maine has the cryptozoology museum from Lauren Coleman. Oh, that's right. Oh, yes. that's right. Yeah. Yes. And I, I haven't, I haven't been there yet, but I hear he just opened a place in Bangor. Oh, okay. Wow. Cool. Yeah. He still has the place in Portland, but he's got a place in Bangor now. Which oh, I Maine is definitely on our list. So <laughs> we're going to, we're going to try and get up there. Cool. Sometime. Yeah. Well, thanks again for talking with us tonight. We appreciate it. Good to be yeah, here. It was, fun. it was fun. I'm glad we finally got you. Yeah. Well, thank you. All right. Well, you take care. And if anything happens or you see anything or hear anything, let us know. All right. Yeah, thank you. Sure. All right. Thanks, Hilda. See you. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Cryptid Creatures Podcast with Todd and Brian. If you've had an encounter and want to be on the show, email us at info at cryptidcreatures.co or leave a message at 888-5-DOGMAN. I would like to talk to her friend who actually shined the flashlight on that Bigfoot and find out that really had to... Can you imagine that? I just, yeah. I'm confused as to why it let her get so close. Did it not see her? Was it paying attention to other kids? Well, or they were young. And, and from what we've been told, Bigfoot is you know, curious, more curious about the little ones than they are us. This is true. So, 
maybe you know they were just checking it out definitely probably didn't feel threatened by it so right yeah um if we could talk to her though that'd be fun yeah interesting how she said she described it as a gorilla type face but you know when you're a kid mm-hmm. anything looks similar to right. that uh right. good stories and very interesting stuff from from hilda tonight i'm glad we got her on yeah me too that was fun We'll keep looking for a great guest to bring on and keep uh, our audience with some good stories as much as possible. So, Heck yeah, man. And uh, again, like uh, we've told you before, we got some really exciting stuff coming down the pike. So stick with us, man. It's about to get fun. If you've seen something out there, get a hold of us. Email us, info at cryptidcreatures.co, and uh, let us know what's going on out there. We'd love to talk to you. So, Heck yeah. We appreciate the listens. Brian, thanks again, my friend, for hanging out with me. Man, always fun. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Yep, yep. See ya. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.